Hey there, welcome to the Product Hive Podcast. On this episode, we're bringing you the presentation from our November UX event, where you'll hear from Jacob Chinina. Jacob is currently head of product CX audience at Oracle. Two of the most common reasons that AI startups fail are number one, failure to acquire create necessary data to power the AI feature set. And number two, the AI features are disconnected from the human experience. In this talk, you will see three real examples of highly successful AI features that are centered on the human experience. So now, let's hear Jacob's talk, AI for the Human Experience. All right, so my presentation is called AI for the Human Experience. There's lots of content out there on this topic about AI for product managers and machine learning, this and that. But in my opinion, I don't think that AI is awfully useful unless people actually love it, people actually use it, and it starts to change their habits and the way they do their life. Here's a little bit about me. I started out my career uh, some time ago. I was a data scientist. I founded an AI analytics startup. I eventually found my way and found myself in product. I also worked as a consultant, advising different companies on their AI strategy and how to build AI teams. And I've also been um, a board advisor on some companies that are very much involved with AI. And my mission for my career at this point is to empower businesses not with AI, but with intelligence. And the way to get intelligence is to take the very best of the human intelligence and also the very best of the artificial intelligence and the analytics. And I, I personally believe that this is the way to make disruptive um, innovations with AI. I, I've worked, right now I'm at Oracle, I've worked at Adobe and all these functions, advising different companies. I've seen lots of AI initiatives that have simply failed, that have not been awfully successful. And I've met with companies who've hired data scientists and been frustrated that they're not getting the ROI, the return on investment. They're struggling to see the value. My goal here, uh, and, and to, to put things very simply, and I'll go into more detail throughout my presentation, many of these failed AI initiatives are because they are approaching these initiatives in either a purely human intelligence type of approach or a purely artificial intelligence type of approach, rather than synergizing and taking the best to create a, high, a product that incorporates the best in class insights, best practices, best processes, and the best design from both of these disciplines. So um, I, I'm gonna tell a little bit more about my story. This is when I was in grad school, I was in a PhD program and I, I, I was always an innovator at heart. And so, and, but I was also drawn to AI. The, the data was fascinating to me. So I had this idea, I'm gonna go get some advanced education and then it's gonna empower me to be a very effective innovator using AI since it's this emerging thing. And at first I was very intimidated. These, these equations, I just grabbed this paper um, it, and th there's these complicated equations 
And let me tell you, it gets much worse than what you're seeing right here. Uh, but once I finally started like parsing apart what is actually happening, I realized that AI is, is actually very simple. And sometimes um, there, for, for some folks, there is sort of an incentive to make it seem more complicated than it really is, to make it seem like it's this unattainable science that you need some sort of deep, deep knowledge or experience to finally understand. But I learned that that's actually a myth and that fun, you don't need a PhD, you don't need any sort of degree. Fundamentally, lots of the most impactful AI innovations are ridiculously simple. And especially in academia and sometimes data scientists, sometimes it's difficult for us to communicate uh, like the simplicity of what this value really is. And the truth is, is, th is that it's simple. And I'm gonna parse things apart really right now or a little bit and make it really simple and kind of describe the AI toolbox and how you can understand what tools you have available to you and which ones are most effective for which use cases. So there's two types of AI. And this is very, very generalized here, but there is machine learning models and there is scoring based models. And most of the time when you're reading blogs, see stuff on LinkedIn, they just lump this together into AI. But these are very, they have very different principles, very different tools. Like you've got a saw and you've got a power drill. And sometimes people get, they, they hire a data scientist and the data scientist is really trained at using a drill or a saw but then the, like the, the needs of the business are like, hey, we really need a saw. And the data scientists or the product people are thinking that they should be using the other tool. Or another example is you have a dentist and you, you have a toothache and you go to the doctor or you have a stomachache and you go to the dentist. So let, let, I'm, I'm gonna parse these tool, this toolbox apart. Machine learning models is where you have a data set that is a ground truth data set. That means for, for and these are the types of use cases that it's most useful for forecasting, vision, and voice. And there's a bunch of others, but these are some of the biggest themes that you'll see. Uh, for example, you have, you're making an AI um, algorithm, uh, some feature that detects your face on Facebook. The way that this works is that they have people go and they, they take pictures of Jacob Chinina, of Ash Roberts, of Jeremy, uh, and, and other folks, and they say, I know for a fact that this is Jacob. I know for a fact that this is Ash Roberts. And they, they have a human being go and put a label on it. That's the, the word that we do. It's like a ground truth. And then you let the algorithm learn and you say, hey, now algorithm, you now I'm showing you a picture. I'm not gonna tell you who it is, but take a guess at who it is. And then if they say, hey, this looks like Ash, Ash and it's right, then you, you show the machine learning algorithm you say, good job, that actually was Ash, that was the ground truth. Now, in the process of me teaching you this, you have learned and now you will be able to predict better going forward. So this machine learning models have a ground truth data set that it references and learns from. In the scoring-based models, so this is web search, recommendations, and personalization, there is no ground truth. There is no ground truth data that is being referenced and it's, it's a lot more subjective and it requires you to use a lot more imagination. And I'm gonna jump ahead of an example here for Google search. Google search does not use machine learning. It uses a scoring based model. And for the, for the, for the data scientists, the very 
technical term that people use in academia is information retrieval. I don't, I think that sometimes we don't, the data we, we, in academia, we don't do a really good job at like marketing our innovations. Uh, that's why people call it search and, you know, some other more uh, trending terms, but that's people call it, it's, it's information retrieval and it's based on scores. So you see here, I've searched for machine learning. Here, machine learning Wikipedia comes up and the machine, the, this information retrieval algorithm is basically a point system where every time you have a link pointing to you, the, pay, the page that's being evaluated, you boost your points by three points, four points. And then like, okay, count. You just go through every website, one, two, three, four, five. You have 15 websites pointing to you. And then for every website that you're pointing at, you decrease the score. So boost, 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 decrease, 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 decrease. And then you calculate your score. It's so simple. There's no ground truth because if you say you if you ask the the internet hey which website on the topic of machine learning is the most important website that we should look at there's no it's subjective it's it's google searches opinion that wikipedia is the most important thing but it's it's debatable there's no ground truth the fact that this picture of jacob chenin or ash roberts is jacob chenin it's undebatable it's ground truth Scoring models, there's no ground truth and it's, it's subjective. Um, and one thing that I'll highlight going forward is that the scoring based models um, are like the best AI innovations are really ridiculously simple. This is like a screenshot from the algorithm that Larry Page did before he founded Google. This is the PageRank algorithm and it's like, it's really simple. And when I saw this, I was like, oh, this is so refreshing. Like some of these other PhD folks make these super complicated stuff. But look, Larry Page, he's, a, he's an innovator and a business guy. He knows, keep it simple, and you will disrupt. You'll be way more disruptive if you keep your AI simple. So in 2013, something really important happened. And that was that some researchers, uh, they put a GPU, uh, and they, they took graphics cards from video games, and they, they programmed what's called a neural network on a graphics card. And after that, out, like algorithms that would fail 20% of the time, like to, to predict if this is a picture of a cat or a picture of a dog, they would fail 20% of the time with the best technology machine learning that was, was out there. With the GPU, it could, the algorithms could train and learn from the ground truth data a thousand times, 10,000, a hundred thousand times faster. And so the algorithms could learn and what happened previously is that the people that were trying to innovate, they would, they would let the algorithms train for months and months. And it looked like it plateaued. They're like, oh, I guess they just plateau. They're, the algorithms can't learn anymore. But it turns out when you use a GPU and you train the data 10,000 times faster, that it actually is getting better, but just ridiculously slowly. And so all of a sudden, now that it's fast forwarding so much faster, you can actually predict if this is a cat or a dog, or this is a Tesla car or whatever, with like a 0 0.001 margin of error. And it's like superhuman performance. And this is really cool. And this, this innovation has spurred a lot of the in interest in AI over the last seven years. But here's a really, a, a, an insight, like this, looking at this tool toolbox, this innovation that was extremely disruptive, that is disrupting healthcare, that is disrupting agricultural, you know, security systems, it's disrupting 
lots of these things, it applies a lot more, it has, it has improved the performance of machine learning models much more than it has scoring based models. So this is the analogy that I'll use. This is basically like the tortoise and the hare. Uh, the, the, like the story, you know, there's the rabbit, the rabbit jumps ahead really fast and the tortoise is kind of slogging along, but eventually has a huge impact and ends up winning the race. Uh, this, the scoring based models have not leapt ahead at the same speed that the machine, machine learning models and machine learning models, they apply, have been way more impactful in physical industries. So here, here, here's the insight here. There is the physical world and there is the virtual world. I, I'm involved with both of these worlds, but in SaaS, in, in, especially in the Utah product type community, there's a lot of people that are in business to business information technology, like uh, you know some sales platform, there's, there's business intelligence. Lots of these applications, these B2B SaaS applications, do not necessarily have digital assets, I mean, images or voice. Machine learning GPUs have disrupted vision and voice primarily. It has enhanced search, it has enhanced recommendation, but it has not like blown the performance out of the water. And so if you are in a physical industry, if you're in agriculture, if you are in manufacturing, if you are in healthcare, where you are dealing with physical objects, then machine learning, vision, voice is one of the most powerful toolbox that is disrupting those industries. If you are in SaaS, information technology, your toolbox, which did not jump ahead at like the, the rabbit and this tortoise and the hare analogy, it, but has still been very impactful, has been kind of improving all this time while deep learn like vision and voice made this skyrocket leap it has been improving and disrupting things in my opinion much more than the gpu deep learning stuff uh, for it technologies so i'm talking to both these is like these i'm parsing across these toolbar boxes apart um yes gpu technology has affected the physical world much more dramatically than it businesses and I'll give you some examples now. I, the, the physical world here is, you know, yeah, I've got a few examples here. Maybe I'll share some more later. But I'm going to talk about the, these virtual world products. Here we've got Amazon product recommendations. We, we don't even think of these as like, whoa, like it's an AI that's talking to me. But this replaces what a human being used to do. Think about it. Before you used to go to J. Crew or or, or Abercrombie and Fitch, you would try on a pair of jeans and then the, a, a sales rep would say, hey, how do those fit? And you say, hey, they're too small or I don't quite like the color. And while you're still in that changing booth, the, the sales rep would come and put like three more similar pairs of jeans for you to try. Oh, wow, I like this one. Oh, you look great in it. This Amazon product recommendations is showing you similar products to that pair of jeans or that watch that you're trying on right now. It is literally replacing what used to require a human being to do. This is disruptive. Not every e-commerce company out there did this. And this has been a huge driver for Amazon's success. Netflix, this is, a, this is also, and oh, by the way, these Amazon product recommendations are not driven by machine learning. It is a scoring-based model. So, and, and I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give you an example of how this works. Uh, if you're looking at a watch, if the user is looking at a watch and there, I've got these other watches, 
And if the watch has the same name or like based on this number of matching words, like, oh, this is Apple Watch White. Oh, here's another Apple Watch Watch size 14. Like it has three matching words. So for every matching word, boost the similarity score by three points. Remember I was talking about these point systems? Like, oh, boost this like, oh, for every link you boost the points. It's debatable. Is it, is it, is it ground truth that this golden watch is very similar and you might be interested? No, it's subjective. It's human beings sitting down and thinking about, well, what would tell me if it's similar or not? What, how would I help this human being do you know, what the sales rep does and show them similar items? So for every matching word, I'm gonna boost the score by one point. And if, if, it's, if someone put it in the catalog in the, in the watch category, I'm just gonna boost it by 10 points. Anything that doesn't get that 10 point boost probably shouldn't be shown in the first place. And so you have this ranking of like this, you have, you have a bunch of other products that you could show. This has 50 points. Like, oh, if the color is the same, white, white, then boost the score by five points. It's just a point system. This, you don't need a PhD to understand this. You don't need to like rack your brain. It's a point system. And I have coded a product recommender uh, similar to Amazon's product recommender in an afternoon. And I, you're, I bet you're, many of your developers could do the same thing if you, you know, Product people, you think in MVP and optimize your V2, V3, MVP, you can code uh, a product recommender in an afternoon. And you can say like number of matching words, or you can say like if color, if product one equals product two, boost the score. It's, it's, it's very simple. And then there's lots of optimizations you can do on it. You can incorporate more and more data points. Netflix, same thing. If the person has watched a movie before that's an action thriller, boost the score by two points. If they've watched a comedy and they gave it a like, if they if they just watched it and then just boost it by two points, but if they watched it and they gave it like a thumbs up, then boost it by five points. And then if they if they if they said give it a thumbs down, then decrease that by two points. And like oh, count up the points, point 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 point. Oh, 80s action movies has the highest number of points. So let's show them the first carousel on Netflix is going to be 80s action movies. That's it's just counting points and you could design it yourself. You could do it in Excel. You could say like, you know, th like there's this, an, a, a, an Excel function that's like, if this, this cell has this value, then, you know, do this mathematical function. Anyone that has done like some, done some, a little bit of more advanced Excel could do, could code a recommender in Excel. It's not rocket science. Here is, uh, here is Zillow. Um, and here, here's an email when I was looking at houses in the Bay Area, I got this email and it, you let's, let's, let's make a, let's make a afternoon recommender AI here. If the house is, we you know one mile away, boost the score by five points. If it's two miles away, then boost it by two points. If it's five miles away, that's pretty far. So just boost it by one point. Look, you've coded a recommender that's purely location-based in, you know, 10 minutes. And then if you want to take it a level further, if the price is difference by $500, it's pretty close. So boost the score by this much. And then you can take it to the next level and incorporate more data points. And I'm sure, you know, machine learn, this is all the scoring system, which is, has driven the, pro, the, the majority of the success of these products that I'm showcasing. You can layer on machine learning. I'm not saying that machine learning has no application for IT products, but like, how would you do, lay, use computer vision oh, well, here I'm using image recognition to see that this third house has plants. And the person spent 10 minutes looking at this house and it has lots of pictures of bushes 
And so I believe that this person must really like bushes. So if there's other houses that also have bushes and more greenery, and that seemed to be an appeal factor for this user, then boost the score by two points. Now that, that's getting more complicated. And that's where lots of people are hiring data science for. But if you're trying to test a machine learning AI product concept, don't think that you even need a data scientist in the first place. You can start things extremely simply. Look at these companies. These are the top five biggest tech companies. Google, Amazon, Facebook, Microsoft, Apple. Google's has become Google because of their information retrieval scoring-based innovation. Amazon has become Amazon very much because of their scoring-based information retrieval, search, recommender. I, I mean, all those, these terms are all pretty synonymous. Search, recommendation systems, information retrieval. It's like all kind of the same stuff. Um, Amazon would not be Amazon without their recommenders, without these scoring systems. Facebook, there used to be MySpace. Do you remember on MySpace? You, you just go to, you navigate to other people's pages, but you don't, there was no feed. The Facebook feed is what disrupted MySpace because it is using a scoring system. If this person posts something and like I have this many, for every matching connection that I, mutual connection, boost the number of, of, of point that boost the score of that by, you know, two points, three points. It's just a scoring system. You could code it also in an afternoon. And yes, they have optimized it, optimized it, optimized it, but it is fundamentally a scoring system that you could code in an afternoon. Now, three out of the five, Microsoft and Apple are both doing lots of information retrieval search and vision and all that stuff. But I, I can't say that Microsoft and Apple became Microsoft and Apple because of these scoring based models. But look at this, the big three of the biggest, the biggest companies, uh, the biggest companies in the world achieved their the success by using what is a pretty old school, this information, the search recommender stuff has been around for 30 years. It's, it is the tortoise. If you're in IT, this is the tortoise that is winning the race. This is what you should spend your time learning on. I previously, I've taught online courses with, with like a variety of different platforms. And some of them were called AI for product managers, like machine learning for product managers. Like if you're in IT, you don't, you may not need to learn machine learning. You should learn how these scoring systems work. And fundamentally, they're very easy and you can make them better and better. And that, in my opinion, if you're in IT, is even more important than understanding machine learning. What is the common theme between all of these, these disruptive products? Uh, yeah, so the future of IT, I kind of summarize that. Basically, what these products are all doing, these three products, Google, Amazon, Facebook, is they're doing something that's called personalization. And here's my, my, my definition of personalization. Personalization the, is the art of tailoring the consumer experience to the unique preferences of each human. It's about human beings. Because this doesn't only apply to business. This only doesn't only apply to software. But if Ash Roberts says, hey, Jacob, how's your work going? How's your work going for, you know, how, how are things? I will tell him a different story. I will personalize my update to Ash about my career. I will, it will be different for Ash than when, if my grandma says, hey, Jacob, how is your work going? I, I, why is it different? Because Ash has different data. He has different experiences. And I know a little bit 
about what Ash knows. And so I know that my this, this data that I have, it's not stored in a database. It's not stored in like a spreadsheet. It's stored in my brain because I'm a human being. And I will personalize my conversation. I'm sure you've met some people that tell the same joke every time. Like, like, oh, this, like, this grandma, uncle, aunt, friend, they just tell the same jokes. And people that fail to personalize and are just kind of robotic and mechanical, they, they just are less likable. They're less, they're more difficult to talk to. If you are an effective human being, you will be very socially gifted people that I know. Like, like even if, if skiing or carpentry, they're really good at finding those common interests and personalizing their conversation. They don't just like go on and on and on about the topic that's interesting to them. They find, they figure out what you are interested in. What are your data points? And I'm going to personalize my communication to you. That is personalization. Human beings, we do this all day long. Google helps you personalize based on what you are looking for. You, you give Google a hint. Hey, this is what's on my mind. Can you help me out? And it responds to you the same way, you know, a converse, a back and forth conversation. He says, hey, I think that this is going to be useful to you. It's personalizing based on what's on your mind. Amazon is personalizing based on the shop products you're shopping. F Facebook is personalizing based on your connections. The, they're, they're all providing personalization. And I think that if you're in IT, personalization, or, or in, even if you're not in IT, personalization applies to all businesses. It doesn't matter if you're... Uh, if you're a retailer, it doesn't matter. If you're in, you know, management consulting, everyone needs to personalize their communicate their their product offerings in many cases and their communication around that product offering if you want to be an effective business. And so that's why this is my insight that I'm sharing with you. If you are in IT, and, and even if you're not in IT, even if you're in hardware, if Vivint has these camp, these webcams, great machine learning use case, like detecting when people come and bring your doorbell, that's awesome, pertains to the physical world. But even Vivint can benefit a lot from using personalization by personalizing their business to every single customer that expresses an interest or intent related to a home security system. So now taking these insights, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at the questions. I, I see some comments there. I'll get into those as soon as I get through the presentation. So keep posting those while they're on your minds. Here is another human-based principle. Humans are more likely to, wel to welcome uh, contact after recently having had contact. I'm sure you've experienced this before where you're messaging someone, and if you respond right away, then they respond back quickly. And if you take two days to respond, they take two days to respond. These are some very simple uh, product features that have been around for a long time, but are still some of the hottest features. I'm right now in the digital marketing space. So the customers that I'm building products for are email marketers. Uh, and there's this, there's, this tech, there's this methodology called RFM. It stands for Recency Frequency Monetary. There's, there's, and there's many variations of around this. And once again, this is not new. There's RFE, recency, frequency, engagement. Monetary uh, is, you know, if you're swiping your credit card. So recency is like, how, how long ago did you visit my e-commerce site? How frequently did you visit my e-commerce site? And how much money did you spend on my e-commerce site? For each of these three things, it's like boost the score, boost the score, boost the score. Hey, this is a hot lead. Like give them a discount, 
target them, make sure that we retain them, make sure that you know we retarget them like, hey, did you forget about the genes? That is recency frequency monetary. And then if you're like for in B2B, you usually it's, uh, it's a longer sales cycle. People are not swiping their credit cards. So they've adapted this to be RFE and RFD. You, 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 and you, the list goes on. And I'm gonna show you here uh, a real feature uh, that is one of the hottest features uh, in the Oracle Marketing Cloud and it's called RFM. Here's, I'm, I'm just grabbing a screenshot here from the documentation. So here, this access here, let's go full screen here. This access right here is the, on the bottom is recency score. So basically if they submit their email into your website, like, hey, subscribe to the newsletter, boom, they're gonna have a recency score of five because it happened a day ago. And if they're, if they're hitting, hitting using your website over and over or opening your, you send them emails, they open it, open it, open it, open it, click. If they if ignore and don't open your emails, every time you open an email from some retail brand, they actually get a notification that you opened it, even if you don't hit reply or anything. So open it. And when you, they also embed trackers into the, into the links. So every time you click on a link, they get a notification. Oh, the person, this person, uh, Jacob Chinina clicked on the link that we sent them. He opened the email, click. So that, that's how they do this. Open, click, open, click, boost the score, boost the score. And you could make this very sophisticated. I have seen, uh, there are very sophisticated RFM models out there. But if you go back like 10, 15 years, there were RFM models that were out there like for every open, for every click, uh, boost the score by one. And then, you know, and then that's that boost the frequency score. And then if it's two days, then it's a five. If it's five, six days, then it's a three. If it's 10 days. And so you could, you could kind of, kind of create a rule-based system. Data scientists have obviously gotten a lot more sophisticated about this, but this is one of the, and in, in the Oracle marketing cloud, there's, there's, quite a few um, AI features. And I've shown them to the, to the consulting team. I've shown them to, uh, you know, really big retail brands that you see in all of the, in, in all of the, the, the shopping malls that, you know, toy, toy companies that all the kids play with. And they love this feature. And it's, 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 they love it for a couple of reasons. Number one is because it's easy for them to understand. A marketer can say, okay, look, this person is a new, just subscribe to the newsletter. They're in this yellow category. That means higher recency, but not a lot of frequency yet. I can, I can, that means they're, they're not, may not be familiar with the brand. I'm going to start hitting them with emails that introduce them to the product catalog. Like, Hey, did you know that we have uh, if, if you're REI or some, you know, outdoor like backcountry for Utah, if, like check out, we, did you know that we have hiking gear? Did you know we have mountain bikes? Oh, I didn't know that they had those types of products. Now I'm going to start exploring them. The more that they engage, they go into this green category of recent and frequent interaction. And like, and, and now this is like these are the th these are where you're going to make the most money from this green upper right corner. And then once they start fading out, like they 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 were, you know, you I'm sure you've done this before. You found a brand you really like. You bought a, a pair of jeans and you're like, oh, I should have gotten the white one. Like, oh, I'll just buy both of them. So then you're, you're going to be in this top right green bucket. But then once you're not buying for like three months, six months, eight months, nine months, you haven't bought, needed to buy, you're going to start, your, your, your frequency is still going to remain high for some time, but the recency is going to go down. And then eventually you're like, it's going to become so old that the frequency is going to go down. And then if, if, and then they're going to try to reactivate you like, oh, by the way, did you remember those jeans you bought? 
like, look, we have a new one. So that, that's how the marketers are using this. They see which bucket you're in and they hit you with the relevant messages based on what stage you are. So this is a very simple and has been very simple for many years, but it's human centric for two reasons. Number one, it's human centric because the mark, it's simple enough that the marketers can wrap their mind around what's going on and actually use it. Unlike many of the other fancy AI features with tons of algorithms and sophistication. This is an awesome AI feature. It's marketers understand it and they use it and they love it. Um, number two, uh, another reason why this is a human centered feature is because it models a, a consumer's journey. You have gone through the same journey before. If you have bought something online uh, from some retailer, you have gone through the same journey. You were new and then maybe you didn't buy right, right away. So you got into this blue bucket and then you like bought a couple things and you got into the green bucket and then you didn't buy, you went through every single one of these stages, yellow, blue, dark green, light blue. And these have different names. Some people call the dark green like champions or loyalists or VIP brand advocates. You know, everyone kind of comes up with their own terminology, call it what you want. But this models the journey of real human beings. So it's, human, it's a human centered feature for the marketer and it's a human centered feature for the end consumer that's receiving the marketing communication. So that's one example of a really killer AI feature that is centered on humans. I'm gonna show you another one. This one is called CLV. This is also from Oracle Marketing Cloud's uh, technical do documentation. This basically predicts the value because you're swiping your card, you're predicting how much value you, you, you have like, oh, this person has spent 300, 400 bu bucks on your brand, on your website. And then you can use machine learning. This is machine learning. This is not the scoring base, but you actually could create a, still a pretty comparable uh, scoring based model that like still kind of does something similar to this. But nonetheless, many people have been doing this with machine learning for quite some time now. And in fact, I, when I got my first job as a data scientist, this was one of the first features that I made. It was, uh, I, I was working, I was working for NAV, uh, you know, here in the community, you guys might know. Um, and this was one of the, you know, my, I, I created this, I, I, I've, it's lots of, I wasn't the only person who's came up with this idea. I think that every data scientist that has ever um, come up, like been in a company, they're like, Ooh, we have, what data do we have? Ooh, we have purchase data. Ooh, if we have purchase data, we can predict who's going to spend money. But I, I, I sort of came up with this, I, I, I coded it up for fun, like as a side project while I was at NAV. And I, and I was like, how, well, how do you use this? How, if you, if this person, you know, this person is going to be, you know, really a, a valuable customer versus a, a less valuable customer. Are you going to like do worse email communication to your low value customers? And I, I like, I could predict this, but I didn't know how to turn this into action. Uh, but now I've realized that this was incomplete and what many data scientists try to do will be incomplete until it is married with the human intelligence. And I, I've, I've worked with lots of retailers now in this marketing space, and I've finally learned where this is really useful. Um, one really big um, golf retailer that I've worked with, they know that the pro golf players spend a lot more money on golf gear than the novice, let's give golf a try types of people. 
so they know their consumers. So they can, they can use this to start, like low spenders, medium spenders, high spenders. They can, they can like, and even the product descriptions for pro gear, it's more expensive, it's, it's better quality. And like, it's, it's like, oh, this has a shaft of, of 67 millimeters and the, the putting range is like, to a novice golf player, it's like, what are you talking about? Like the shaft width and like, but for the, when you're marketing to a novice person, you say like, it's very easy to swing. It's, you know, you, these are the personas and the low, the, and you can map a journey. People can mature from being a novice golf player to a pro golf player. And that is the job of a product manager of a marketing team of people that really care a lot about empathy to map a journey from like turning someone from a amateur golfer into a high spending pro golfer. And that is how you can actually use this feature in a very useful way. But if you have your data scientist working in a silo saying, go disrupt our product with machine learning and come up with some, I'm sure most data scientists have come up with this feature and then they scratch their heads and they're like, well, what do I do with this? That is why my mission, my message to the world uh, is that to create the best AI products, you need to marry human intelligence with artificial intelligence. Um, one more AI feature that is a really hot feature, this is my third hot AI feature is within the Oracle Marketing Cloud is a send time optimization. This does use some machine learning, but you could also do it with a scoring based system and human assumptions about like, oh, if this person opens emails every day on Tuesday, count it up and like count up the number of email opens for, you know, Jacob at gmail.com and you just count it up and then like, okay, well, he opens mostly on this day. So boom, recommended send time is Tuesdays in the morning or, oh, this person usually checks their email in the, in the evenings. Uh, you, could, you could create a very non-machine learning based approach of send time optimization. I know that Oracle's team has incorporated more data points and used more advanced algorithms to take it to the next level and make it a lot more dynamic. And the send time optimization feature is yet another one of the hottest AI features that marketers are using. They love it because they can't possibly get to know every single person. And this it personalized is also, once again, a third human-based AI feature because it communicates to humans at not only the, like the, the frequency and the message that is most relevant to them, but at the timing that they are most receptive and welcoming of marketing communication. So those are three of the hottest AI features uh, in, in, in the marketing cloud. And um, they can be very simple. You can take them, you can optimize them, bring them to the next level. Um, I talked about the, the customer journey. So that's my presentation in a nutshell. Uh, to really summarize, yeah, my mission here is to help people create better products by unifying human intelligence. Product managers, we do tons of customer research. We have tons of data in our brains about our customers. Data that sometimes the data scientists don't have because it's not stored in a spreadsheet. It's in, you've, you've done qualitative customer research. You've done persona mapping with sticky notes, et cetera. You know your customers very well. If you rely on your data scientist to be the master of the data and you're not bringing your own human intelligence to the table, then it's gonna be an incomplete feature. It's not gonna delight the customers. 
a big thanks to Jacob Chinina for presenting. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in your feed soon, and we'll see you virtually at one of our next events.